Hey Mike, did you know that Osaka's influence on the comedy scene caused its dialect to be the dialect of Japanese comedy? Mind you, Dad. Today, a Westerner's view of Japanese media and culture. I'm Mike. And I'm John. Today our topic is the Amazon original series, Documental, by Hitoshi Matsumoto. So it's been a while, huh, John? Oof, it's been a long while. It's been the better part of a year, it feels like. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, stuff's been going on. Um, but we're back in what we're calling Season 2 of Majide. Yeah. We're not sure how much is gonna gonna change, but we're gonna be doing it regularly, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on my desk. Um I've got some wood yeah, my desk should be wood. Some real good ear sounds we're doing here. Um <laughs> So yeah, so we're starting with Documental, which is uh a bunch of Japanese comedians trapped in a... Have you heard of the Korean show The Genius? I haven't heard of that. The main thing this reminded me most of is, like, a comedic take on uh, Big Brother. Yeah, kind of. So the... From what I know, uh, The Genius is like an escape room game. I haven't watched it because I don't really do Korean TV, but I've heard about it a lot. Um, but I've heard it's like an escape room where they have a bunch of smart people doing things. And this is, like, the exact opposite of that. It's dumb people trapped in a room being dumb, trying to make each other laugh. Yep, exactly. Uh, and from what I can tell, this is very much in Matsumoto's kind of yeah. wheelhouse. He's all, he, he and especially uh, with, with Hamada, Hamada, Hamada yeah. uh, as part of Downtown, they, they, they do this all the time. Yeah. Um... But I guess before we talk too much about the show, let's get into the history of, looks like you got history of downtown here. Yeah, I mainly focused on uh, the history of downtown. And then uh, after we do the review of the show, we can go more into like the cultural history of Japanese comedy. Okay, that sounds fair. Because there's, I don't know, there's not a lot to talk about with the show itself. Because it's... Exactly. I mean, the show's fairly simple. Yeah, but... Uh, like this is not a story; it's rea- it's a reality TV. Yeah, comedy. but you don't really want to like say, "Oh, you remember that part?" Because it's kind of like experiencing it in the moment is the good part of the show. Exactly. So for uh, for downtown specifically, and and uh, it, uh, our main the main host and the creator of the show, uh, Hitoshi Matsumoto, was born September eighth, nineteen sixty three. He was the youngest of three in a poor family living in Amagasaki, Hyogo. Which I believe is a bit it's, further south in Kansai. Yeah, it's kind of south west I think. Let's pull up a map. Yeah, I had it for when I was looking up his uh, his. Um, okay, so it is a little yeah. is uh, northwest of Osaka. Yeah, so between Tokyo and Osaka, no, kind of other other way. And, it's not between. 
Oh, Os- is Tokyo Osaka the- is uh, between Tokyo and Hyogo. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's further south, further further west, west of Osaka. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, Matsumoto wrote in a poem called "Chicken Rice" in 2004 that he used laughter's uh, as a means to help him through the really harsh times uh, he grew up of growing up in poverty, and he also credits that time in his life for. Uh, the development of his imagination and the fact that he would always have this sense of play that came from the fact that he would have to make up his own games. He didn't have money to play. Get, I mean, this was would have been the late 60s in Japan. I don't know what kind of game... I mean, he can't exactly afford to do regular sports, so he would just make up make up fun games for yeah. him to play. For, 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 himself, for himself to play. Yeah. And so it was during his time at Ushio Elementary School that he met his friend and future comedy partner, Masatoshi Hamada. And they were friends throughout their schooling. And after Matsumoto graduated from technical school in 1982 and secured a job at a printing office, it was Hamada who convinced him to pursue his dream of comedy. Hamada then invited him to enter uh, Yoshimoto Kyogo, one of the biggest and most influential entertainment companies in Japan. Uh, I don't know how big it was at the time, but it, I know it's particularly it's like, it's one like of the... the one now. Much like exactly. Matsumoto's like so, the comedy king there, I guess. Nice. He's the guy. Uh, t- together, which is nice to nice for him to coming from such humble roots to have achieved like the height of his uh career path together they uh together hamada and uh, matsumoto formed the comedy duo downtown and they started performing together in 1983 uh downtown utilizes the manzai style comedy and i'll get into more of that in the in the cultural uh history or the cultural sort of i don't know what we what we would call it um what did i put it down as Uh, cultural breakdown maybe cultural topic yeah cultural breakdown but suffice to say that Manzai is essentially uh, the straight man, funny man kind of uh, yeah, setup. Picture uh, like a who's on like a who's on first type of thing. Yeah, Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, that style yeah. of comedy. That's what Manzai. Yeah, that's is. basically like um, probably ninety five, if not higher, percent of comedy in Japan, as far as like stand up goes. Uh, and uh, for their breakdown. Uh, the bokeh is the funny man, the one who does the more outlandish aspects, while the Tukomi yeah, is the is the one who kind of like is the one reacting to the yeah. bokeh. And for downtown, Matsumoto is the bokeh and Hamada was the Tukomi. Uh, Matsumoto and Hamada were able to gain the respect of their fellow comedians early on, but audiences weren't laughing and they often had to deal with hecklers. They had to live with their parents and commute to gigs since they weren't making enough money to live on their own. And this was like the mid-80s when this was going on. So don't feel too bad, millennials. You weren't the only ones who had to do this kind well, of thing. Well, except that the mid-80s was the middle of the bubble. So. Oh, uh, oh, so yeah, it's literally like it is. No. Like it was for millennials. No, it's, uh, it was, oh, it was booming. Oh, oh, that's. Pe- people would <laughs> hold up like wads of cash to get a taxi to come pick them instead of someone else damn uh well as time went on the duo did start gaining a fan base and in 1987 they hosted a local television show called yoji desu yoda which uh translates to it's four o'clock 
And through that, their fame skyrocketed them to the same level as pop idols, where they even had books of them posing like fashion models. Uh, and the Wikipedia article did make sure to showcase one of the one of those books. So if you want to take a look at that, it, uh, look up Downtown on Wikipedia. In 1989, they ended the show and moved to Tokyo. And there they started on smaller shows at first before starting their own long-running variety show called Downtown Nogaki no Tsukai ya Arahende. That's, that's pretty close, right. yeah. Close enough. Yeah, I'm, it's been a while, and I was never good on the spoken Japanese. Yeah. Uh, but roughly it translates to downtowns, this is no task for kids. And since then, they would have a successive career of of hosting variety shows. Um, and alongside that, Matsumoto did have his own successful solo career, creating short-length short length films and then even feature-length films starting in 2007 with uh, one that we should probably cover at some point, Big Man Japan. Yeah, I've heard of that. I saw it. I, 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 this was even before I knew who Matsumoto was, and I, I just loved how it's basically a tokusatsu comedy film, and it's like a big parody of Godzilla, Ultraman-style tokusatsu movies. Hmm. And it's not too bad. I mean, the... The effects are definitely cheesy by today's standards, but it's. I think it still holds up for the most part. We'll have to check it out at some yeah. point. Uh, he also hosted his own solo shows, and he's been writing numerous books. Um, and as I mentioned, he also has done poetry. He's very, you know, he's always he's kind of always active in some he's way or another. Multi-talented. Yep. And so in 2016, Amazon bought the streaming. I think either he bought they bought the streaming rights. I think they produce or it. Matsumoto. Yeah, I think so. He must have been brought on by Amazon to create a show I think or something so, yeah. like that. And because so they talk he, about that in the second season. And so, so Matsumoto created basically um, something similar to their. They have something downtown hosts something every New Year's Eve called No Laughing Batsu New Year, and so the idea is that you would take. Uh, I think in those the New Year specials, it's uh, just. You know, people in the audience no, or something like that? No, uh, it's downtown, and then it? it's uh, three other comedians that they work with on Gaki no Tsukai. And they have, like, a theme, okay, and then so stuff happens to them, and if they laugh, they get hit on the ass with... A, get kicked or get hit with a stick or something. Gotcha, some form of yeah. punishment. Uh, so basically, Matsumoto's taken that concept and applied it to a Big Brother-style... Uh, reality show uh contest and uh yeah ba the idea basically is you have 10 comedians put up each put up a million yen and they compete to see who makes who's the last one la you know who's the last one you know not laughing as it were and so it's it's premiered in uh in japan through amazon and has since been brought over to america the Season two just premiered a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, and I I think they're on and, season four over there. I want to say. Yeah, so the uh, Amazon is slowly but surely uh, subtitling it and bringing it over for the U.S. library. But yeah, it's been an ongoing series over in Amazon Japan. And so that that, that those are the big ones, uh, and that's kind of the breakdown of who Matsumoto is. And yeah, as Mike brought up, he is. Um, ooh, who'd be a good comparison? Let Letterman? Like who, I guess, uh... 
Or, hmm? No, that's Letterman not so much anymore. Um, yeah, not Letterman, but I guess Bill Co- whoever Eddie Murphy or like a Dane Cook in the yeah. mid two thousands. He Matsumoto is the is synonymous. We don't really, with we don't really have a, the comedy guy, do we? Not at this point in time. It's been it's become so niche. Whereas back in the day, Johnny Carson, yeah, Carson maybe was synonymous with comedy back in the day, or um, you know. Um, maybe Len- not Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce was always kind of cult. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Murphy, sort of that big arena sellout kind of comp- comedian. He is that big uh, in Japanese yeah. comedy. He's the Beatles of comedy. Pretty much, yeah. He's bigger than the Beatles. Who are bigger than Jesus? Exactly. I was hoping someone. I was hoping you take that. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to take a break and then we can talk yeah, about let's the take show? Take a break and then we'll talk about the show. And we're back, and let's talk about Documental a little bit. Uh, the premise of Documental is like so simple; it's actually pretty elegant. Um, so, he invited ten Japanese comedians. To come on and try to make each other laugh. Um, each comedian put up one million yen, which is ten thousand dollars ish. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying like to do, to move a decimal point in my head, and that's very difficult for me. Uh, if it's if it's one million to move a decimal point back would be a hundred. You move it back two. Oh, yeah, right. Move back to 10,000. And I I don't know what the exchange rate is. That's close enough. I'm not doing math. This isn't a math podcast. That's a rough estimate. Um, And they they put this 1 million yen in a pot, and the guy winning gets it. In season two, Matsumoto puts a million of his own in there so that the winner actually gets 10 million and not a 9 million profit. Um, There is a three-strike rule. That's nice. Where basically if you laugh three times, you're out. Um, I don't, I don't think he ever really skipped strikes that I recall. He, he, he I think he, he threatened yeah. it, but he never, he never jumped from yellow to, he gives it a card system like in yeah. soccer. And then there's also, there's also an orange card. one in there. Right. Yeah. It's an extra step yeah. in, as opposed He's a to softy. soccer. So there's the yellow card for your first strike, orange for your second, and your, and your sort of. Last warning, and then red means yeah. you're out. He's a softie, or he just wanted to see more funny shit, because you see him a lot in the back, just kind of cracking up constantly. A little less of that in season two, which I found interesting, yeah. where instead of cutting back to him laughing, it just played his laughing in the background, so it was kind of almost like a studio yeah, audience. Yeah, kind of. was a nice. I thought it was a nice touch. But yeah, he's in the back. He's in the background in sort of a control room where he's and he sits in front of a. A button. It basically has a button in front of him where if he noticed where all the cameras are watching the comedians, and as soon as he sees one, either even crack a smile, he he slams down on the button and he comes walking in and issues the card. Yeah. Um, I am not going to talk about how the seasons ended because that, I mean, that we yeah. don't want to spoil. But those. they did introduce a rating system in uh, season two where you get points for the laughs that you cause. Which is it was basically his way of like season one is the first experiment. Yeah, 
and season two, and I'm guessing from season two onward, he's playing around with the formula to see what yeah. works best. Um, there are there were three comedians that are featured in both seasons, and one of them is just in downtown stuff a lot, and that's Jimmy Onishi. Um, and there's actually a drama on Netflix right now about uh, like a, a biopic drama thing. Um, and there is also Toshifumi Fujimoto from the the comedy group Fujiwara, and Daisuke Miyagawa, who those yeah, are the those big names. I those are the, I those saw, are I the mean... three that were in both of them. Well, there's actually Was a fourth there? one. I I don't but I don't remember Shit. the names off the top of my head. What's interesting I can't though is that there there's one I don't remember his last name, but season one featured a sort of bigger uh, half Japanese, half black comedian named Anthony something. I forget his last yeah, name. Yeah, I can't I don't remember either. But he was the standout for me. Um, he, I thought he 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 did yeah he did really very well he did in very season good. one. <laughs> uh, but and that's the thing. Pretty much every one of the comedians is really good in one way yeah. or another. The the gags done here, like season two features, um, you'll have to see it play out. But I don't know if I'm not familiar with the gag, but a funny man, Joy Man. Yeah, he's Joy just man. he's a comedian. So basically, somebody had a cutout of this comedian Joy Man, and it was just like they would just hide these little cutouts of Joy Man. Like it was a like it was a tra- like it was some kind of trap. Like, uh oh, he, he has like a signature funny pose thing. Um, so yeah, and as someone who wasn't familiar with like the in uh, like the inside jokes when it came to these guys, uh, any kind of the references they would throw that would you would know from uh, following Japanese comedy. I, I, it was most of the jokes are like slapstick. Yeah, like. One of the guys does the Howie Mandel um, uh, rubber glove over his yep. face at one point. And, you know, there are plenty of... They bring their own props and costumes and they play around with those to see what works. It It's really... It, it gets yeah. weird. It, and yet it never gets too overtly, like, disgusting. Yeah. Because I mean, there was there's even a bit where they mention, uh, like 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 scat humor, like poop related humor, and even Matsumoto's like, no, we're not doing that. You're not doing that in my show. We're not we're not going yeah. there. And so most of the comedy is slapstick or a lot of puns. There's a lot of wordplay based humor. That and said, then, there is a lot of bare yeah. ass in the second season. Straight up bare ass and moony, and all, there's a whole. One of the episodes is dedicated straightly to ass-related, uh, an ass-related sort of gag. And then the, I think the second season also features, like, genital-related yes, gags as cause well. because they learned that Amazon doesn't uh, so, care. I mean, season, yeah, season two does, season two goes a bit, you know, more body-related body than season one, but at the same time, it's never, like, overtly disgusting. It's very, very good. I don't know, there, I don't know there's oh, not yeah. much else I think there is really to say but watch it if you have access to it yeah if you have amazon prime and you want like sort of that sort of that sort of manic out there style comedy and you want to watch you want to watch something like that that's sort of centered around a com a comedy competition 
definitely check this out. It's it's something you can watch. Um, it, you almost have you can't leave it on in the background uh, because unless you speak Japanese and you can, yeah. Uh, keep in touch with that. You ha- you need to actually witness some of these. There's a lot of sight too. gags too. Exactly. So so it, I think this is yeah. We both of us can recommend this for our listeners. Yeah. And as and I think this we're doing a new we're so, we're adding something new for the for season two. We haven't really we never really got to do this in season one, but for season two we're adding a cultural a cultural a. What do we call it? I have Cult- already forgotten. Cultural breakdown? Yeah. We're adding a cultural breakdown where we talk about the actual cultural impact and re- and like history behind the topic we're, t- we're discussing. So for this week, we're well, for this episode, uh, we're talking about Japanese comedy. And I did a bit of a, a not a deep dive. I, I didn't get too deep, but it was a sort of a light skimming of the history of Japanese comedy. Yeah. And from what I can tell, there are four uh, styles of comedy currently being performed in Japan. Um, three traditional and then one modern. Kyojin uh, is one of the older traditional styles, and it's performed during the intermissions of no uh, perform. So, like, as a intermission style break in tension, it's um, done during no performances, no theater. I completely and forgot about Kyogen. It's been a long time since I've seen no theater. Yeah. Um, this is I'm coming at this all from Wikipedia. I'm going to be honest. This is I'm not familiar with a lot of this stuff aside from uh, the modern uh, style. Uh, but Kyogen uh, consists of slapstick and a lot of satirical sort of writing. Um, Wikipedia said it was performed in archaic Japanese, which I'm guessing Old just means name. it's an yeah. older style of classical speaking. Japanese. Um, yeah. Same as, like, if you perform Shakespeare in yeah. Old English. Um, and then... I think I think it's a bit less intelligible that, than that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll defer to you on that one. Um, and then it's comparable to bit, uh, for those who are more familiar with, uh, European, um, versions like Commedia dell'arte or, uh, ancient Greek satyr plays that would come. They serve, it serves that same function where it's the levity between the break in the break of a more uh, dramatic or tragic performance. Yeah, it's the laughing mask. Exactly. Um, the second traditional style that's still being done is Rakugo, which is one narrator uh, seated in seiza position, which is that traditional sort of kneel yeah, position your, where you sit, sit on, on your, your knees, heels. Yeah. And this it, is this is very similar to like Western stand up. Yeah, this is this this is like a one man yeah. show. Or um John Leguizamo does them. Um what are they called? What's it called? Uh I mean yeah, one man show or uh uh spoken word. It's it's basically a comic, a single comic tells a long and complex story with multiple characters and he does all of the voices for each character while while sitting down and it's like it's like your grandpa telling you a funny yeah, story essentially. I, I feel like a lot of stand up is kind of taking this track in west at least the ones i watch yeah uh, uh yeah it depends on it depends on what style you go for for the more like narrative driven comedy it's definitely that's this kind of humor whereas every so often you'll get a comedian who's more like set up punchline set up punchline set up punchline but for people like trevor noah or um who's another good uh, oh um what's the one that was that was just getting buzz on netflix uh, uh 
what's her name? The Australian comic. Craig Ferguson does it like this, though. Yeah, Craig Ferguson does it like this. Uh, There's a female uh, lesbian comic from Australia who just had a big um, Netflix special that everyone was talking about a couple of months ago that does this kind of uh, story-driven comedy. And so, yeah, that's that's what Rakugo um, is. If you want to see Rakugo, um, you can look up Katsura Shun- Sunshine on YouTube. He's a Canadian Rakugo person. Um, there is also nice. a very good Rakugo anime from year two years ago. I want to say, um, I forget what that's called. But if you search Rakugo anime, you'll find it because there's only one. And then uh, the third one is the one that um, that was that was that we mentioned. Downtown is uh, part of Manzai, which is the tradi- which is the two man uh, or two. I guess two. I don't. I I can't speak to the. Uh, gender makeup of Japanese comedy. So, I, but yeah, basically the two person. I think duo it's. I think it's mainly of, dudes. Yeah. So yeah, suffice to say that yeah, Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello, straight man, funny man, uh, and then the thing, and most of these styles date back to uh, the Middle Ages in, ter- in terms of Japanese history. So as so don't don't assume that this is all like based on some sort of uh, Western influence. This is all developed through either uh chinese influences coming into japan like really early on or with within its own borders at, at just happens to be at the same time which is interesting to think about that these separate entities with no relation to each other came up with the with a similar style yeah. of humor um and of course the more the modern style of japanese comedy is the that just, that just comedy. Uh, yeah, that's the, the, the it's the broad term for modern style Japanese comedy. Variety shows, game shows, hitting camera pranks, uh, modern style stand up. Um, if you if you were familiar at all with Japanese comedy now, you, that's Owarai. Yeah. And then I did note I did find one other uh, style of comedy that was has long that has long since stopped and performed. Something called Sarugaku, which is essentially the precursor to No okay. Theater. Uh, between the 11th and 14th centuries, um, it was a style that was built out of sangaku circuses, where they would take where part of the circuses were like comedic bits, and so they decided to do those separately from the circus. And so you once again had wordplay, improvised comedy dancing, short plays, musical accompaniments, and eventually those became standardized in a certain its own in its own style. So you knew. What you were seeing was Sarugaku, and then um, you had troops performing it across Japan, and then eventually, in 1374 uh, CE, uh, the troupe Yuzaki performed before Shogun Ashikaga Yoshimitsu, and his patronage brought this art form up from the lower classes to the upper classes, and so it stopped being Sarugaku, and eventually turned into no theater so that that style is not being performed at all because it's it it it, it's been replaced by no theater and yeah that's kind of the cultural history of japanese comedy um, and yeah once again most of this is all most of this has all been within its own uh you know it's all been developed by the jap by japanese culture throughout time without any real exterior influences for the most part um japanese comedy like uh like you said, for Sadugaku, there's a lot of wordplay, and that's 
I feel like that is uh, common in all Japanese comedy because Jap- Japanese has a lot of homophones is why that tends to stand out. So you'll get words that sound like other words. And the sentence structure or the the grammatical structure of Japanese, you tend to leave things that are assumed out so that in combination with words that sound the same as other words, you can have funny or nonsense situations come up pretty easily. That's why that is. Is why it's, uh, you don't yeah, really it, see that in English because we don't have that. English sentences are all pretty explicit. Sentence has to have verb. It has to have predicate. You can't leave out the predicate. Yeah, the closest we have is like yeah. puns, at, where it's like homophones will replace one word with yeah. another. And, or, we'll, yeah, there'll be some form of wordplay, but it's not to the same yeah. extent. And, yeah, what, and of course, and of course, there is the addition of like slapstick comedy, but which I think is almost universal. Yeah, in a way. I mean, like most. Most most cultures will come up with when they come up with their uh, style of comedy will either feature some language based comedy, some form of wordplay, or more specifically something F- more physical um, comedy, simplistic and wordless. Yeah, you know, somebody getting hit or you know, si- you know, situations that don't require words to set up. It would you know, it's funny no matter who you are and where you come from. Yeah, um, I, I think I think, I think we're, good. we're good. Yeah, I I. I I loved Documental. I'm glad we... This is how we're opening uh, season two. Yeah. Um, I think for season two, let's maybe say we'll nix the fun fact lightning round because we end up not having anything there. I think let's try and... We'll leave it in our... We'll leave, Focus let's leave it in our, our document and then we can try and like weave that into the rest of what we talk about. Exactly. Because that's the thing. When I was doing the... Research on documental and and um and I've already forgotten Matsumoto Matsumoto just yeah it's I, I, my uh the weather has been messing with my sinuses and it's making me harder it's making it harder to pay attention but suffice to say yeah um when trying to look up any like all of his movies on IMDb have no trivia sections except for one and that's because one of his movies qualified for some mm. kind of award. So, like, there's no fun fact trivia to be found about either, um, about any of this. Like, document, not about Documental, not about uh, Matsumoto, not about uh, Downtown, not about his movies. So, I have nothing to work with for the fun fact lightning round segment. So, I think if, unless there's something, unless there's something we can add, and there, you know, there's a, as a wider, amount of information available we can just yeah, let it we'll be. throw in miscellaneous stuff if we find something um so for next time we had something planned but it's october Ooh. so how how are you with horror in general well you watch all the movies uh, so i figured I, you're probably all right with it right oh yeah uh depending on the, like i'm a bit squeamish when it comes okay. to like takashi Miike and the more body horror okay so no it's the killer but yeah, so yeah, we're not gonna. Uh, but I'm I I like we when we covered um, uh, crap. I've already uh, um, the little demon boy. Uh, we had the guest. Yeah, on. Kitaro. Kitaro. Yeah. Um, I dug Kitaro, and um, I know um, Gaijin Gumba has been covering uh, 
his new his new iteration of uh the the, the new anime adaptation for Kitaro, which it's looks very, amazing. Very so yeah, I'm down. So for what horror. would you say about next time we watch one of my favorite movies, which is Neroi the Curse? It's available I on. I am good. We can get into the Halloween. Yeah, it's spirit. available on. I know Shutter has it, but Amazon might have it directly. You can get to it through Shutter on Amazon. But let's see. Or through Verve as well. If you have a Verve Premium account that includes yeah. Shutter. Um, yeah, it's Shutter with Prime Video Channel, so. Um, but you can get it, I think, I think you can see it on YouTube, too. Let's see, let's do a check. The whole thing's also on YouTube. Oh, that's in, that's, oh, that's in Spanish, that's in Spanish, so. I think they... So for our Spanish-speaking listeners... (laughs) If you want to watch the next episode's topic, yeah, it looks like it it looks like it's not on YouTube anymore, unfortunately. But you can you can get to it. Oopsie Daisy, oh well. Um, but yeah, it's a mock. It's a it's a mockumentary. I love it. I love found footage horror. Um, and this is like the best one. It depends on the mood. Like I hear, I hear good things about Wreck. Wreck is excellent. I hear that's great. Um, and I know, uh, like Cloverfield did some good stuff. Yeah. And like early on, like the Blair Witch, the original Blair Witch project, yeah, Blair Witch did is, it well. Blair Witch still holds I up, think, I think. Blair Witch is great. Yeah, it. I I, I became inundated with stuff like Chernobyl, the Chernobyl diaries, and uh, the Gallows, where Gallows. It's just like it was horror. It was done cheap. It had no real horror. It was just like, hey, kids are stupid. They'll think this I is scary. Gallows this being... will be perfect for them okay-ish i i was not a fan of the gallows i just know that i get, i think it's because i've seen it done better so the fact that it's so so like uninspired yeah. did like didn't really work for me whereas you know things like Re- like wreck is very very and, good um um and and even uh what's another good one um but yeah, like the more generic, like I never got into the paranormal activity ones or anything that came after paranormal activity in the U.S. I was not, a, I just did, I, one of my pr- Patreon episodes for Popcorn Junkie was The Devil Inside. Ugh. And that still is, is a, such garbage, especially the ending is yeah, such the ending's trash. Bullshit. But thankfully we won't have anything to do with that uh, for next episode. Yeah, so we'll watch Neroi the Curse. You can get that easily through legal channels. Um, yes. so yeah, we'll talk about that in two weeks. I'm, I'm, maybe I'll try and get that one out on Halloween even. E- even better. Okay, but yeah, until then, uh, John, where can they send stuff to us? Uh, they can, uh, if you're listening to us here at Majid, now that we're back on, uh, doing this on the regular, you can send your fun facts. If you have any hit, uh, stories, pertaining to uh, Japanese comedy or downtown or what your thoughts or on documental, you can send all of that to Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send any sort of questions or corrections. Like if we made a mistake and you want to correct us, feel free. We would love to, we we have no problem issuing sort of like, uh, I've, my brain is all, is gone tonight because I can't remember the word for yeah. retractions. Like, oh, we're sorry we said this. What? Uh, thanks to the the devotion to accuracy department, we meant to say this. So, yeah, send any of that 
to modulatepodcast at gmail.com. And where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me Mike? at youtube.com slash GameKiwi. Or uh, right now, I'm playing through the Kingdom Hearts series. And I have a nice. Final Fantasy XIV Let's Play um, that I'm s- slowly working on. Um, and then on the 27th, I will be doing extra... 27th of October, 2018, I will be doing Extra Life to benefit the UC Davis Children's Hospital. Um, we will start on the 27th at 11 a.m. Nice. Uh, Eastern or Pacific. Uh, and you uh, can Pacific. find more information okay, about so... that at bit.ly slash gkel2018. How about you, John? Awesome. Uh, well, uh, if you're listening to this now, uh, I'll, I'm still doing Popcorn Junkie from last time. Uh, we're, we have, we're hot, Tragic Missile is on hiatus. We're trying to do more stuff with that, uh, in the future, but we have to, you know, f- you know, f- actually end things where we left off. But for right now, Popcorn Junkie is still going strong. Um, in fact, by the time the Halloween episode comes out and hopefully whenever you're hearing this, I'll have my own Halloween special, the Popcorn Junkie Spooptacular, cause I'm a dork. Uh, but I'll be covering, um... Four, four horror movies, two two that I've seen, two that are I'm seeing for the first time. And uh, I'm hoping to tie that into the release of Blumhouse's Halloween, uh, which comes out um, the 19th. So I'll be covering that by, on its own, but I'm going to tie that into this year's Halloween cool. special. And then uh, I've started a new book club podcast here on Gumby Cat Networks where, called Living in the Stacks, where... Me and a bunch of my friends, three of whom I met in college and one of whom is a fellow podcaster, we just kind of meet online and talk about, We every two weeks we read a book, we talk about what we thought of it, and um, and we're having a lot of fun. Uh, as, of, as of this recording, you'll probably be seeing um, The Last Unicorn is our, will probably be our most recent episode, although we've also been talking about Fahrenheit 451, uh, Brave New World... Animal Farm, uh, there was a fun one we did early on called Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Pal. So we have, you know, our books can vary from genre to, you know, um, author to style to, you know, like we covered My Antonia by, um, I already forgot her name, but, uh, Will Cather, I think. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's it's getting late for me. And my brain is already shutting down. So point is, you can check out Living in the Stacks here on uh, Gummy Cat Network. And be sure to check out all of our other fine programming as well. Big thanks to God of Shamanton for use of their song Dragon String Attack, First Strike, off the album Dragon String Attack. Check it and their other music out on Google Play, iTunes, or at music.godofshamanton.com. Another big thanks to Daniel Johnson for making our logo. You can find more of his work at danieljohnson.design. And don't forget, if you're listening to us through iTunes or Google Play, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review, subscribe, and share us, uh, you know, share us online, let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening Google. and join us next time for Nori the Curse. Uh, I don't remember how we stop this podcast, so... Bye. I don't think we oh. ever had a sign-up. Well, we still Wait. don't. Oh, boy. Season two, we still have no idea what we're doing. <laughs>